<laughs> Welcome to Bad Sloth, everyone. This episode is about our fine feathered friends, the dinosaurs. They're not all feathered, I know. Kara's already giving me looks. <laughs> but but uh, I'm going to mispronounce a lot of things in here. I'll correct you. Exactly. <laughs> Feel free to correct me. If I can. My guests today are Bailey DeRocher. Hi. Did I get that right? Good, yes. <laughs> and uh, a, a big dino fan. Yes. Uh, a friend of Joe Starr, who is on the Zombies podcast. Oh, I don't mean to brag. Yeah. I, but I, I know ju- him. Exactly. I everything. gesture a lot, even though no one can see it. <laughs> and then Kara Santa Maria, uh, who is the uh, Huffington Post science correspondent. Yep, that's me. And you do a show, a Talk Nerdy to Me. Talk Nerdy to Me. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. And I assume you enjoy doing that. I do. I enjoy it. <laughs> I have to. Wa- I have to watch it. Oh. I watch her yeah. show. So, how did you know that I was into dinosaurs? Um, you know what? That's a good question. You, I think you were on Sex Nerd Sandra. Yes. With Dave Ross, and Dave Ross was on Time Travel uh, here. And I don't, I don't know how it came up, but I saw it online that you were on, and then somehow it said, "I like dinosaurs." Yeah. So that that was it. <laughs> yeah. So this is one of those like podcast meets podcast yeah. meets podcast situation it was fate i stalked you guys mm-hmm. and found out that hey they both like dinosaurs <laughs> let's have them on the show very cool yeah i wanted to get two girls actually on the show only for the fact that dinosaurs to me always seem like kind of a boy's thing you know especially growing up as sure. a little kid you know we get the dino toys you guys get the barbies uh lucky <laughs> and you know most of the people i know I actually don't know anybody who's really into dinosaurs. You don't? Not oh, really. Raise your hand if you had a Jurassic Park themed birthday party when you turned 30. <laughs> I'm raising my hand way high for you guys who can't see, which is all of you. Uh, and you gave away your age. How thoughtful of you. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my hair is amazing. I look great. You, you don't look like you're 30. Oh, well, that's very You sweet look like you're 20. <laughs> uh, but. But do you, you were telling me, Bailey, earlier that you actually know mainly girls who are into dinosaurs. Yeah. I have yeah. a very good friend who's a paleontologist. Oh. She's uh, engaged to another paleontologist, and they're adorable. Fuck, I should have got but them the, instead of you. Uh, <laughs> I know, you probably uh, I would actually, I asked her, I was like, I'm going on a podcast where we talk about dinosaurs, but if they do another one, can I pass <laughs> along your info? Because she would probably... Love to talk about. Yeah, I'm not this is her I'm not job gonna, to talk about dinosaurs. She loves it. She's great at it. I'm not going to do another one. Uh, <laughs> oh, worst. Yeah, this is going to be it. Sorry, Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> and Kara, uh, uh, do you know a lot of people into dinosaurs? Um, no, not Are, really. I mean, I I know a fair amount of paleontologists just because of what I do. You know, obviously sources, people that I you know will call for research, people that I've interviewed before. Um, but no, I think dinosaurs for me, kind of. I don't know. It's it's sort of convoluted. But I think that the reason that I love dinosaurs so much is because I am kind of this scientific thinker, this rationalist, this realist. I'm really into evidence-based thinking. It's very hard for me, for example, to suspend disbelief. And, you know, I have a lot of kind of cool nerdy friends who are really into sci-fi or comic books or fantasy or whatever. And I've never been that good at watching a fantasy movie, for example. And dinosaurs were kind of like my dragons because they're real. They're real. <laughs> they, they really existed and they're just as fantastic as a lot of stuff that comes out of kind of the creative minds of authors and artists. So 
Um, I, you know, I'm, I've always been obsessed with dinosaurs. I'm like one of, I think all kids love dinosaurs, girls and boys alike. We all kind of grow up thinking they're super cool and most people grow out of it. And I just never did. I don't think I knew any little girls into dinosaurs. I you mean, did. at least they, you did, did you I? Just, you were afraid of girls. Ah, they were all jerks. Yeah, you were just you. They I don't were know. All jerks. They, were, they, they wouldn't were really kiss you. All jerks, except for that one that wasn't a jerk, but she was way too young. I was twelve. She was seven. You know, it would never work. Yeah, that would never work. No, no. But, <laughs> so you would not be a fan of like Jurassic Fight Club because that's all like speculative potential meetings what? of dinosaurs. Well, that yeah, I mean, I feel like obviously. Is this a thing though? Jurassic Fight Club. Yeah, I don't know what this is. Yeah. There's a show, I want to say on Discovery. Really? Oh, uh, like I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, sure. I mean, there are definitely, I think, situations in science where we don't have all of the answers, but it's fun to ask questions yeah. about what would be, what could be based on parameters that we can operate within. That's completely different, I think, than just making shit up. <laughs> you know what I mean? So so definitely I think it's it's fun to try and imagine a world with dinosaurs. What would dinosaurs be like if they had never gone extinct and kept evolving? You know, all of these mm-hmm. kinds of questions are really fascinating, but they're still kind of based in, in science and based in reality. Um, for me, it, and it, obviously not to belittle anybody who's interested in, in fantasy, sci-fi, whatever. People I, say that right before they belittle, but go on. No, but really, I'm not. <laughs> like, like, all of my friends are really into it. I wish I could get into it. It's just very hard for me to watch movies or play video games or play, you know, tabletop games and be able to put my head into that space because the whole time I'm like, but how would that wait? That doesn't make sense. What? You know, cause I'm just thinking about reality and it's so hard for me to get outside of reality. And so for me, I, I that's why dinosaurs are so fantastic. They literally are fantastic. The fact that these creatures once roamed the earth, the fact that they are so awesome in their size, in their power, in their intricacy that we're still learning major things about them. Our, our worldview is shifting all of the time. We're having these huge kind of, um, paradigm shifts in how we understood that they bred or that they, um, you know, ate or, or even their stature, you know, we can read things all the time. Um, coming out literally today, like today about a dinosaur that we're like, I always thought, wait, what? You know, and so it's really cool when you read a book now that's written for children about dinosaurs compared to one that was written 10 years ago. They physically look different. There's different content yeah. in the book yeah. because we're always learning about this this extinct group of um, individuals that are just fascinating. I feel like we're going to learn uh, about all the new dinosaurs in Jurassic Park 4. Uh, this is all we're going to talk about today is Jurassic Park. <laughs> all right. Cool. Uh, yeah. Every- I really kind of only like the first one. So. The, f- the first and the third one are, are, are best i don't <gasps> remember what thank the, you what, which yeah. one was the third one the third one is where they go back to they go to isla sorna yeah it's the island that they were not on before and, and then they are just like their plane like crashes and they're just stuck there with all the yeah dinosaurs. that's why they're the right because the second one is when they like come to the states the San second Diego. one is yeah. the second <laughs> one is king kong with dinosaurs yeah exactly but the third one sam neil and laura I, dern my came husband back, so. and i fight about this all the time we don't fight wait 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 you're married yeah all right, get the fuck yeah out. i'm old and i'm married and i love dinosaurs Ugh. um but no, we, we always talk about how I love the first and the third one, and he loves the second one because it's so Jeff Goldblum heavy. He loves Jeff I Goldblum. love Jeff Goldblum, but he should not carry a Jurassic Park movie. Just the way it is. I wouldn't go that no, far. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. But oh, cool. uh, you brought something up earlier about <laughs> them being like uh, real dragons. Mm-hmm. And I think it was uh, – it's in the Wikipedia page, so it must be true. In China, I think when they first saw these things, they, that's what they thought they were. Sure. They thought they were dragons. 
Uh, I don't remember the year. I'll get to it later. But uh, and I like Ceratosaurus because he actually looks kind of like a dragon. He's a little horn on his nose. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I like Game of Thrones. Okay. Dragons. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. I don't know. Do you know? Do you know a lot about them? Like from a like a more academic standpoint, or do you just know a lot about like kind of a cultural? appreciation of dinosaurs i i know more of the cultural Mm -hmm. appreciation of dinosaurs which is why hopefully you know more about the academic yeah i mean uh, part of things hopefully between the two of us maybe yes and no i definitely didn't study paleontology in school i studied neuroscience yeah yeah. so but i did take which is good yeah i did take one college level class on dinosaurs so i learned a bit you know, well, like then, when I was an undergrad. Uh, right away, you already know more than me. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Because uh, one of the things that I noticed on this Wikipedia page when I was reading it is the fact that they only use the scientific names uh, for the most part. So I'm like, what? I wonder what class that, like, what is the brachiosaur part oh, of? And what you. is oh, what is the Tyrannosaurus or whatever? What, what part are they? Because all they use here is just scientific but names. But those are their scientific names. Those are their yeah. Latin. Well, I'll, sh- okay. I'll show you yeah, when we get into it. it. I'll, I'll, I'll point it out. I'm like, because uh, there's, there's names I've never heard of before. Sure, but there are yeah. probably a lot of dinosaurs you've never heard of. For sure. But, That's probably who they're referring to. But I guess to. the main ones, the ones I learned from Jurassic Park. Sure. Uh, going those, back are, to, those are their scientific names. Yeah, but that, those names aren't really in here anywhere. They, it's probably because they're they're passe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know. Velociraptor, I what? Yeah, I don't need to write about Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah, you exactly, already know about him. Exactly. <laughs> Overexposed. <laughs> yeah. He's so played out. Uh, I don't know why I said he. Like The most famous T-Rex is a she, actually. Who is that? Sue. Well, it's named Sue. We don't know that it's a girl. Oh, that's true. Girl. But they think it might be a girl. That's B- why B- B- Rex. I should say they thought they it might thought be a girl. Of well, speaking of which, Sue. you were mentioning earlier um, before <laughs> we get into this summary, because honestly, I feel like... <laughs> we're never getting well, into no, this Wikipedia <laughs> I, 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 I prefer not to, but okay. I always do like reading the summary just for people who know zero about it then they'll mm. know a little something but you were mentioning earlier uh how you can tell the sex of a dinosaur well i think there's only one so far that they and you are welcome to jump in and correct me if i'm wrong um but uh <laughs> a specimen called b-rex um that they found they did a like a test on the fossilized bone and found that they had calcium deposits uh, medullary tissue in uh, dinosaurs' long bones, which is something that happens right before, uh, a, like a bird lays eggs. Mm-hmm. It's right. It's during ovulation, and so they found that it was Mary Schweitzer, I think, found mm-hmm. that. And um, <laughs> so it seems like the most compelling it. evidence. That yeah, it it's because structurally, now. like, there's no um, dinosaurs don't appear to be sexually dimorphic. They look yeah. the same. Also, I think that you know, historically, like we've only been collecting dinosaur fossils for like. A few hundred years, right? Mm-hmm. Like we didn't even know that dinosaurs were a thing yeah. before a few hundred years ago. And um, historically, I think that when it comes to taxonomy in general, when it comes to try, you know, paleontology, when it comes to finding evidence of previous life and then starting to, starting to piece this stuff together, I think a lot of people don't realize that most dinosaurs, what we know about them, come from just a few fossils. Yeah. Not not complete skeletons by any stretch. Pieces parts, they're the chicken nuggets of <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And also that it's it's still always kind of a struggle I think to to figure out like for example if you look at the ceratopsians, which, you know, triceratops is a type of ceratopsian. They're all these like horned face um uh dinosaurs that look really similar. Um I I think 
from what I understand, it's always been kind of a struggle to know, okay, are these two distinct species? Is this a juvenile version mm -hmm. or an adult version? And how do we classify these? How do we know? Because we're talking about, like, I don't even know, like 0.001% of the actual critters that were running yeah. around like the planet. To find a fossil in the first place is really rare. And then to find enough fossil evidence to be able to have like complete specimens and then compare them to see, yeah. you know, what's what is incredibly difficult. And so a lot of this is, I don't want to say it's speculative, but it's, um, it's, it's taking a little bit of evidence and comparing it to the other evidence that we have to be able to draw a complete picture because the complete picture is just not there. It's just not available. Well, I think back in the day, and there was even, uh, there was two guys who were like kind of warring. Oh, O.C. Marsh and uh, what's his name? <laughs> O.C. Marsh. Marsh, Marsh, Marsh and the other guy. No, okay. <laughs> I just watched the thing about it last night because I'm like, I'm really not well versed in the, in the in fossil the wars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I got um, it right here. here. Edward Drinker Cope, that's the other guy. Um, here, I'll, I'll, I'll just read this little paragraph here, and then because we have names. Dinosaur mania was exemplified by the fierce rivalry between Edward Drinker Cope and Othniel Charles Marsh. What was his first name? Othniel. 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 Othniel yeah, Charles just rolls Marsh. off the tongue. Exactly. <laughs> Othniel. Both of whom raced to be the first to find new dinosaurs in what came to be known as the Bone Wars. The feud Sometimes. probably originated <laughs> when Marsh publicly pointed out that Cope's reconstruction of an Ellis... Uh, Elasmosaurus mm -hmm. yep. uh, skeleton was flawed. So, I mean... Elasmosaur is uh, not even a dinosaur, right? That's a marine reptile? It would be a marine reptile. Yeah. Yeah, so there's... I mean, yep, yeah. it, there's... And there's <laughs> Dino high fives. Well, there's also... <laughs> There's also debate as to like what should be considered in in their you know whole dinosauria thing. You mm -hmm. know if it evolves, should it still be considered a dinosaur? You know where did they start? And there's there's just so much. Well, exactly. I mean, and this is the interesting thing. Like I said about about kind of taxonomy, about um, cladistics, with it, which they still kind of use um, to to determine the lineages of dinosaurs. Is you know it's it's all um, human distinction. Yep. You know, a, a creature that is a transitional creature, it, they don't care what they're called. We called hmm. them that. Yes, you know what I mean? thank you. That's <laughs> how I explained it to everyone. I'm like, this creature is millions of years old. It doesn't care what we think it is. Yeah. It just is what it is. It just and is what it is. And, you know, for example, <laughs> I have um, a tattoo on my forearm of uh, Archaeopteryx lithographica. I have the Berlin specimen tattooed on me. And this is... Some people call it a bird. Many people call it a bird. I personally like to call it a dinosaur. Um, but really, it's a transitional fossil between between dinosaurs and modern birds. I mean, most paleontologists agree. It has dinosaur features and it has bird features. And it's a very beautiful transitional specimen. And so... What is it? It's kind of in between. Well, and then also there's this whole the whole uh, class of scientists who just say birds are dinosaurs. As exactly. Well. Yeah. You exactly. So, and that's I think a, a newer way to look at it, but a pretty accurate way to look at it. You know, birds are dinosaurs that that continue to evolve. Now there are whole kind of factions, whole types of dinosaurs that died out. It's only you know one specific type of dinosaur, yeah. the theropods, that continue to evolve. But um, but. And like a very specific faction of theropods. Yeah. It's not like T-Rex suddenly was like, oh, my arms got huge. Exactly. <laughs> like they're very like the little teeny tiny sort of opportunistic uh, guys with feathers that were small. Like when you're when you're growing up, you just think dinosaurs are huge monsters. Yeah. And, and then they really weren't. They weren't all. It was just. Those are just Some the ones that we latch on to, obviously, because they're the ones that... They're so different from today. Exactly. They yeah. make you go, what is that? Like, when you go to a museum, obviously, the really large creatures are usually going to be the ones that are the most kind of impactful to young eyes, because they're so fantastic compared to anything that you see 
in the world today. But like a lot, even just the idea of thinking of them as reptiles, which we still think of them as reptiles. That's where the name came from. But we are starting to understand that they were much more bird-like than modern reptiles, for example. But just the idea, this old school opinion that these reptiles, quote unquote, could be this way, could be so large, mm-hmm. could could have these features. I mean, obviously now we have a better understanding of, of well, not a much better understanding, <laughs> but a somewhat better understanding of how they kept warm and how they bred and things of that nature, which, which make them seem a lot less like modern reptiles, but that distinction still kind of holds. I thought it was that they're not, it's just been said they're not reptiles because mm. some were actually not cold-blooded. Mm. That that doesn't that necessarily true? mean that they wouldn't be reptiles yeah. per se, though. Mm. I think that it's about again. This is like one of those paradigm shift things, you know. Well, if we consider them reptiles, this is how we define reptiles. Maybe we have to redefine reptile. Yeah. Maybe we have to redefine dinosaur. You know, whatever the case is, this dinosaurs were a special type of creature that is not like modern animals. Science to me is just very primitive still. And the fact huh? is, it, <laughs> well, what I mean is there's so there's more that we don't know that we do know. I feel just in general, I, you can disagree. Uh, okay, I'm just I'm not saying about dinosaurs. Sure. Okay, I'm not saying about dinosaurs. No, I'm I think about, that that's probably okay, more audience, correct. Now he's sweating. Yeah, that's probably more <laughs> correct when it comes to dinosaurs. But um, <laughs> what, but what do you mean by science itself is primitive? what I'm well, saying is, and, you mean and like our knowledge no, is well, it, I, I'm, what I'm about to say is, is probably completely has nothing to do with what I previously said. Whatever your response is to this, Kara, I want you to drop the mic when you're done. <laughs> I want you to hold it out in front of you and. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, uh, we were warned that these mics were extremely expensive. <laughs> <laughs> That's shouldn't. right; they are very expensive. <laughs> Best Buy, 1999. <laughs> <laughs> when you're on hiatus, it's incredibly expensive. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. But uh, uh, what we classify as reptiles, whenever we once upon a time exactly. decided to mm-hmm. say what reptiles are, there's absolutely no reason why many things that we haven't discovered, though at first glance wouldn't be categorized as reptiles or vice versa can't be the opposite can't be well maybe not the opposite but can't or be you, categorized as something different yeah that's true we're, we're making it up we are we're, but, we're but you also have to remember it. it's not like we're making it up from it's not like yeah. the day we discover yeah. the first dinosaur we came up with the idea of classifying animals like I, this correct this system has been in place for a long time and the idea is to figure out where do these individuals fit within um kind of an evolutionary lineage both based on and early on yes it was all based on how they looked everything that we did when it came to classifying um organisms came literally down to morphology it came down to what it looked like how how do we compare its hips how do we compare its you know microscopic features blah 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 and then we started understanding oh we can take genetic samples and we can learn more about how things fit together genetically which may be sometimes a little bit more precise that's still difficult with dinosaurs though because dinosaur dna is degraded like jurassic park as much as we want to think that it could happen still couldn't happen <laughs> yeah but, but the only am- real way it amber. could happen is the way that <laughs> but amber, amber. <laughs> Degraded. Degraded. You just can't get it. And so the only way that it could really happen is Horner's new idea of this kind of like backwards evolution, this like backwards engineering of birds. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and this is something that, I mean, I know it sounds a bit like a conspiracy theory, Uh but I've definitely talked to people before who um, shall remain nameless, who, you know, have have certain opinions about, for example, um, Horner Mm -hmm. or about um, scientists who have discussed cloning woolly mammoths or you know and it's like 
is this something that they are doing behind closed doors already? Or is this something... Wasn't th- I thought that was something, and, and you would know this because it would be science news. I, 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 I might know it. You might know <laughs> I don't know well, all I thought this was re- No, I, think, I thought this was recent, the fact that the whole woolly mammoth cloning uh, Well, I mean, it's, it's obviously been uh, kind of in the public can, consciousness can, for a long someone time. Someone said they can do. Yes, yes, okay. yes. yes. There are Russian scientists that are trying okay, to do it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tell them to slow down. Right? And, and also... <laughs> Russian... you know but that's the russian scientists are the ones who have made most of these mammoth discoveries to be fair because most of them are in siberia but um but also there's very speaking of new science news there's very new science news that an individual and gosh i feel bad that i can't remember his name because this was in the papers like just within the last few days but there's a scientist from harvard who is asking for volunteers right now female volunteers to actually carry the um, clone of a Neanderthal because we do have um, basically the Neanderthal genome sequenced at this point. Well, maybe not sequenced, but I think that we have uh, enough viable Neanderthal DNA Mm. to be able to insert it just like you would with a, with a living modern clone, insert it into a hollowed out egg um, so that you have, but you still have to bring this, you know, hominid to term yeah you still have to birth this hominid yeah that's my question is well that's the big question i mean right this is like when we publish these things these are the questions that everybody's asking is 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 it you know do we do things for the sake of scientific curiosity bringing back neanderthal just for the sake of learning more about it you know this is one of those kind of interesting could go one way could go the other questions because neanderthal you know, went extinct in a relatively recent history, definitely went extinct while modern humans roamed the earth. You know, modern humans have been around for 200,000 years, went extinct after modern humans existed. We, we know that we lived side by side. We also know that Neanderthal had a larger um, brain case and could potentially, if it hadn't died out, some people speculate could potentially have evolved to be more intelligent than we are today per se. Um, not, I shouldn't say evolved because we haven't really evolved much from the last 200,000 years, but um, could have socially evolved, I guess is a good way. Could have learned (laughs) things the way that we learned. We went through a a huge social evolution from the time we were primitive humans first stepping out of Africa, obviously developed language, developed, um, you know, education and and all of these things. And so if Neanderthal had had an opportunity to do that, how would the face of the planet look? How would things be different? I mean, it's all speculative. Is it dangerous to bring back such an intelligent creature do we know why neanderthal oh, went are we extinct? bringing back super villains this is <laughs> yeah, gonna we don't be know. Well, it's so and we still don't know if we are the reason that they went extinct and this is the but kind if of we are we are who okay, that's, the, that's well this I mean, is the argument for the woolly mammoth if the woolly mammoth went extinct because we hunted it is it then our kind of obligation you know a lot of people don't have a problem bringing back for example an animal that's going extinct today a lot of people talk about cloning a passenger pigeon, which just recently went extinct, or cloning um, a dodo bird, which went extinct, you know, mm-hmm. over 100 years ago. So so how soon and, and how much should, you know, how much responsibility should we hold if we are the reason because of deforestation yeah. or because of hunting or whatever? But that's all, spe- like you said, uh, especially with Neanderthal, it's speculative. And I feel like scientists can use that to whatever they want to do. You can always speculate something to your to your uh, uh motivation yeah, that, but do you, know do you think that there's some sort of nefarious scientific motivation at play here? well no i think it's it's, it's well, sheer curiosity it depends. it depends because why do people do things that maybe morally you shouldn't do because they want to see if they can do it 
I, think I don't think that's generally the case. I think usually people do things that are morally repugnant out of desperation or out of a power play. Greed. I think that this is a, I think that this is a very um a very common and very misguided view of modern science in the media is this kind of mad scientist <laughs> have some sort of dark motivation for 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 doing these things most of the time if you're thinking of things like bomb development or or you know generally these things were commissioned by government officials these weren't things that were just oh i just want to see if i can do this but sometimes that but, is the case sometimes it is the case that science is done for the sake of science and this is where scientists have to work with ethicists and they have to work with lawmakers they have to have regulations in place so the idea is let's say a scientist wants to bring back neanderthal then we go to the public and we go to um kind of educated officials that have been elected and we have a conversation about this and we decide as a nation or we decide as a global community if this is something that is um that is a moral decision to make and, or is it a safe decision to make? And then make? of course it'll be split 50, 50. It may be, it may be 50, <laughs> I, I mean, 50, or there may be overwhelming, you know, evidence in, in one direction or the other. The problem is a lot of times when we talk about public opinion and even when we talk about opinion of elected officials, they're not always informed opinions. Um, they're not informed by the science per se. And so, um, the hope would be that we'd be able to have a, a legitimate intellectual conversation that is informed by the evidence, but that's also, takes into account emotional uh, feelings about yeah, these things because those are also very important and I'm not saying that it's they're mutually exclusive by any stretch. The hope with any conversation when it comes to what we should do in society, uh, it, the hope is to have a philosophical and intelligent conversation, but unfortunately that's not always the case. That's um, very rarely the case. Yeah, when it comes to cloning dinosaurs or uh, you know ancient civilizations or whatever the hell it is, I feel like the overwhelming majority will say no only because shit, that would be cool, but you still get into all the moral things. It's like, well, then do, can they breed with us? Or do we, do we stop them from Yeah, Like, is this going to be something to, we put into a zoo? Like, how do we, exactly. you know, I mean, and those kinds of <laughs> exactly. things. Because what would we do if we brought back, for example, if we bring back the woolly mammoth, we're bringing back a creature who's biome no longer exists like we're bringing something back in an ecological environment that is not matched mm -hmm. to the environment that it once lived in so would we have to make a mock-up in a zoo and are we bringing back literally to just learn from a few specimens and to like kid you know like kids at the aquarium ooh and awe them like is that all it is are we bringing them back to learn or are we bringing them back for for the purpose of like having an ecological niche, because I'm not sure that we that that's even one. Well, anybody, anybody who's who might be doing it might have different reasons for doing it, and then it's like, okay, well, society, what should we do? Yeah, and but so so it's like kind of like where do you draw that line? Because let's say that we have creatures, and I shouldn't say let's say this is not a hypothetical. We have animals on the endangered species list right now that are only living in zoos. In zoos, yeah. We have animals that are no longer living in the wild. And we feel like we have an ethical obligation to maintain the lineage in a zoo because we can't let them go extinct. Yeah. But they're already extinct from an ecological perspective. Yeah. So so it's like, where do we draw the line? Yeah. Preventing them from going extinct? What if they went extinct because the only five specimens that were left in the world, you know, what if a horrible tragedy happened and a hurricane hit that zoo and, and they all died? But we, we had the potential to just breed new ones. Should we bring them back right away? You know, it's like, where do you draw? It's the same thing 
that I see a lot of times with people who have the animal research argument. I'm a huge animal research advocate. I'm an animal welfare advocate. I have a hard time when people talk about animal rights um, and uh, because I don't think that that's a thing. Um, and so, so, but when we talk about this, I, I can always see that it's shades of gray. I've never met one person who thinks that it's not okay to experiment on fruit flies. For example, <laughs> right? Which is an animal. Yeah. But I've definitely met many people who think that we shouldn't experiment on dogs, cats, bunnies, and things that are soft and sweet and fuzzy. Mm -hmm. And then I've met more other people who are like, those are okay, but maybe not apes. So why one and not the other? Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, I'm not saying animals. that it's like a throw the baby out with the bathwater thing. I'm saying there are real distinct reasons. I don't think that we should be doing invasive experimentation on great apes. Or, or elephants or dolphins. And I have very specific reasons for that based on cognition. And other people say that we shouldn't be doing it on, you know, doing experiments on anything X, Y, Z. And so, yes, we're going to have different opinions. But if they're informed opinions, then I think that it's, they're welcome opinions to have a conversation about. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. But let's um, think about it first. Yeah. Before before we get back to dinosaurs. Oh, yeah, dinosaurs. Yeah, no, but to, to... Sorry about my soapbox. <laughs> it, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. But uh, I, off of what... <laughs> Off of what you said, I mean, just my opinion, and you guys are probably going to have different ones. I, sir, I personally feel like if something goes extinct, we should spend our resources and knowledge and uh, scientific prowess on making it so that other animals don't become extinct rather than trying to bring back shit that we fucked up. I see. So Sorry. you're saying focus, <laughs> focus on the future. Yeah, because instead of focusing on bringing back the woolly mammoth or Neanderthal, why not focus on preserving the animals, preserving that we have the now. ones that we have, mm -hmm. sure. and the earth that we have, and you know. And why? Why do you feel like these things are mutually exclusive? I feel like sometimes you see the argument, like like Colbert even made a joke last night on his show, um, which kind of it made me laugh because in context it was a good joke but but it's an <laughs> argument that i see people use a lot like why are we wasting resources on this we haven't cured cancer and it's like well it's not the same scientists who yeah. are working on the cancer problem as the same <laughs> i really want to that's, clone true. that's true i mean ah, i don't want to spend any more time trying to make cancer cures. Yeah, exactly it's like these I are very make mammoths. i guess you're right one you're guy right is and, in and, all yeah. of science <laughs> and i guess my, the, my you know <laughs> Excuse me, but science guy, you should be making cures well, for stuff. It's Bill, his name's Bill Nye, and he's in charge of science. Uh, he's in charge of science. But I do, science. I do understand what you're talking about, because in, in, in essence, if you step back far enough away from it, there are only enough resources to go around. Yes. And, um, and, and, and like we just said, Neanderthal and, and Woolly Mammoth specifically had crossover with modern humans. So... We do not know if they went extinct because of our actions or because of some external issue. We are still trying to piece that problem together. Dinosaurs, for example, were long extinct before humans ever came on the scene. Really, only kind of micro micro ugh, tuberculates were on the scene, not even like modern mammals. Like yeah. these, this is old. This is mm. a really long time ago. And so, um, I said micro, didn't I? I do that all the time. Multi-tuberculates are what they were called. <laughs> I kept Not thinking you were going to say microtuberculosis. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think that's why I, I, think that's why I screwed that up. Multi-tuberculates were on there the scene, um, yeah. which were kind of early mammal-like creatures, like pre-mammals, basically. Um, but this is even before uh, most of mammalian evolution was taking place. So we didn't have anything to do with dinosaurs going extinct. Yeah. I'm going to go on record saying that. Um, and well, so then it becomes really a, it's not so a moral stop asking obligation. everybody. Exactly. So now it's not a moral obligation at all, but with Jurassic Park, it's a pure 
kind of curiosity. Well, and it's also, if you're going to go with Jurassic Park, why was he doing it? It's a freaking theme park. Yeah, he was doing it for, well, it's for scientific, scientific or was he using that as a means to make money to be able to do his, his research? And this is a question. I mean, where's the motivation? For example, Mars One. Um, who is a Dutch company that is intending on putting the first kind of pod colony on Mars within the next 20 years. And of course, this is a one-way ticket. We, we do not have the technology yet to bring them back, but we could, we could bring people to Mars. We just landed a new rover, and now we have many. But regardless, they, their intention is to film a reality television show. Mm. It's not because they want... It's not because these are producers who are like, I will come up with a genius 20-year plan to have the most <laughs> incredible show ever. It's because they're like, how the hell are we going to fund this? Those are the horrific sounds of velociraptors laying havoc to my computer's motherboard. Normally, uh, these episodes are about an hour and a half, and this one is short because my Mac did a crash bandicoot, and I lost a lot of files. Uh, but luckily, it was able to salvage what you just heard because Bailey and Kara were fantastic guests, and the rest of the episode was just as good as the first part. But alas, there's no crying in podcasting. Well, there was, actually, a little. But let this be a lesson to you all. Back your computers up more than once a month, or else you will be embarrassed when you have to tell your podcast guests that you wasted most of their time. I wanted to add this last little bit to tell you about something I felt was important that we talked about in the last part of the show. Uh, Kara mentioned wanting to get into paleontology at one point, but there wasn't much access into it. Uh, and I feel nowadays with the Al Gore Internet and Google and the exciting new things happening in the dino world, access may be a little more available. And if you're a teenage girl or boy or even an adult who discovered your love for the big lizards later on in life, there's no reason why you can't find out how to volunteer or get involved in some way, no matter how small. Because what are dreams, if not explored? They're failures. Failures, my dear listener. But seriously, Google that shit and find out how you can dig in the dirt for more than earthworms. What you also missed was me reading some of the dry Wikipedia page info on dinosaurs, but I did it in Sir Richard Attenborough's accent. And this is very true, and we sped no expense. Okay, that was really bad. Hold on. We sped no expense. Now, see, I can't do it now. See, it, it was all in the moment. It's, it's horrible now. I'm failing to do it, but uh, unfortunately, only Kara and Bailey will actually know how great it was. Uh, and if they lie and say that it wasn't, it's because they're jealous. I also did say we spared no expense a lot, and perhaps it's for the best. Some things are lost forever. Uh, perhaps we spared no expense. It was a little better. No, it was still pretty bad. Also, I mentioned Jurassic Park a lot. <laughs> and I feel Jurassic Park is important because it was the film that actually brought the wonder of dinos to the screen in such a way that the CG in the story would be just as good if released today. In fact, the CG is actually better than a lot of what we see today. And for me, it was just an inspiring film for both film and science reasons since it came out when I was in high school. Anywho, Bailey doesn't believe in social media and is a better person than you or I for it. Okay, maybe she's just a better person than me because I don't know you. You're probably pretty great. Uh, but she's great, too, and I thank her very much for being the giggle sore she was uh, and is. You can follow Kara on Twitter. She's at Kara Santa Maria. It's Kara with a C, 
not a K, guys, Kara Santa Maria. And her show, Talk Nerdy to Me, can be found at HuffingtonPost.com. She'll actually also be on a new weather channel show called Hacking the Planet. Uh, this is actually from the press release for it. Hacking the Planet will follow host and former Scientific American editor-in-chief John Rennie through a series of field experiments illustrated by unique animated graphics to uncover strategies for potentially manipulating the Earth and whether those plans would help mankind, harm the planet, or both. Runny will be joined by Huffington Post's Talk Nerdy to Me science blogger Kara Santa Maria and Brian Mallow, science writer and science comedian, who will help Runny talk through each scenario and its plausibility. When Kara was talking about it, I had mentioned the fact that the Weather Channel has TV shows because I thought they just showed the friggin' weather. But apparently, no, they actually have TV shows now. But Hacking the Planet is going to be one of those TV shows. And uh, check your local listings to see uh, when it might air. Or just Google it and get more info on it and uh, figure out when you should DVR it and or watch it live. And please rate and or review Bad Sloth on iTunes. Uh, that would be much appreciated. You can uh, follow me on Twitter as well. I'm at bad underscore sloth. That's bad underscore sloth. You don't type out the underscore. You just type the symbol underscore. Thank you. Uh, and direct any mail, hate or non-hate, to badslothlove at AOL.com. Yes, I'm still at AOL. Badslothlove at AOL.com. My next episode is actually going to be pretty different from the previous ones. It's going to be a special Geekateria episode of Bad Sloth. I'll have three guests on. It'll be more of a geeky talk show rather than just a discussion on one subject. So if it's a success, I'll be making a few more of those to mix in over the next few months. But the regular Bad Sloth episodes will also remain. I bid you all a fond farewell. Thanks again to Karen Bailey and... (laughs) 